So hey, it's so good to have you here uh, this morning. Happy New Year. I know I haven't seen some of you since, uh, you know, last year. It seems so long ago. Um, how many have had a long week? Like 2023 is like a long year already. Like, hang on, there's only 350-some more days to it. But I want you to know we are so glad to have you here. We're excited. I don't know about you. This is me. I think New Year's is a fun time of year. I know for many people it's like another day just to change the calendar. But for me, it's always been uh, there's an excitement because it's about another year, uh, more you know, new opportunities and new possibilities. And I want you to know as your pastor, I'm excited for you for 2023. You may not be excited for 2023, but I'm excited for you because I believe that God has great things in store for us. Can I get an amen on that one? I think God wants to pour out blessing upon our hearts. He wants to touch us individually. He wants to touch our homes. I believe He wants to work not only in us, but through us. And I believe that we serve a God of amazing potential and possibilities. And I want you to know, I am praying that, that as God grows you, this coming year will be a year of greater purpose for you, as well as greater joy. How many need some greater joy? Look at your neighbor and just give them a smile just by faith to say, look, I'm radiating that joy already. Look at it. It's, it's happening. But I'm convinced God's not done with you yet. Can I get a witness on that one? God's not done with you yet. He's got something that he wants to do in you and through you. He wants to help you become all that you were designed and created to be. Did you know that before you were born, God was thinking about you? I want you to know that. That before you took your, your first breath, God already had spoken purpose over your life. And part of what life is, it's, it's discovering that purpose and to begin to live in it and to live out His fullness. And, and my prayer for you is that, that, that God would do something in you, that He would help you to become the people that God has called and created you to be. Now, as a church, we talk about our mission, like why do we exist? I want you to know we exist for more than just doing Sunday services. Can I get an amen on that one? We exist, for, we exist because we believe that God has called us to be part of what He wants to do to, meet, to pour grace into your lives to help you to become all that He wants you to be and do. And again, so this goes to the mission of our church, which, which is simply this. It's about leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We're trying to help people become. And we recognize this about you. You are not a finished product yet. And God wants to work in you and through you. And we're so glad that we get to partner with what God is doing. And, and, and as a church, this part of this becoming, we be, believe it gets manifested in a variety of different ways. Uh, we think that, that when, when you become a fully devoted follower of Christ, that you'll begin to worship God enthusiastically. Like it doesn't matter what the season is. It doesn't matter how you're feeling. You just worship God enthusiastically because how many know that even if you're having a bad day, we still serve a good God? Amen? Okay, not so loud this morning. Please, just keep it down in here. It's just, it's okay. We, we, we think that, that part of becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ is that you connect with the family of God regularly. We believe we are, we are created for relationship. And part of the way we experience fullness of life is in and through relationship with God and with one another. We also believe that when we're fully devoted followers of Christ, we will be growing in our faith consistently. That, that, that when we get to the end of 2023, 
our faith will be greater than at the beginning. Like we believe that, that God wants to do it. We, we believe that God has also created us in order that we might serve others unselfishly. Whether it's in the church or in the community, we are created to serve people. And not only that, to share our faith effectively. And as a church, as your pastor, my prayer and my desire is that this would be a year where we see God continue to help you become all that He's called you to be. Now, I don't know about you, but this process of becoming can be a little bit frustrating. How many here recognize in your life there is lots of room to grow? How many are frustrated a little time because you're not growing as fast or as well as you think? And you get those, you know, I was, I was, I was thinking about my favorite Sesame Street character. How many of you love Sesame Street? My favorite Sesame Street character, they ended up taking off of Sesame Street. And so in order to see him, you actually had to watch back in the 70s, which is a long time ago. How many know 70s is a long time ago, right? Yes, favorite characters, you got Kermit the Frog and Elmo, but my favorite character from Sesame Street was Don Music. And they actually had to take him off of Sesame Street because too many children were acting like Don Music. And you can still go to YouTube and look him up. So how many know who Don Music is? Okay, good. All, all the people are like, this is amazing. My son does because I'm like showing my kids. This is my favorite you know, Sesame Street character. So what Don Music would do is he was a Muppet that, would, that was a composer and he would create music. And he would, he would take the, the songs that we're familiar with like Yankee Doodle came to town riding on a donkey. But invariably what happened when he got to the very last phrase or word of the song, he wouldn't know what it is. And he would become frustrated. And he would become so frustrated that he would bang his head on the piano saying, I will never get it. Never, never, never. And it was great because it just like bong, 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 you know, and just, and they had to take him off Sesame Street because too many kids were banging their heads on the piano. And as a child, Don Music was my inspiration. Because I remember at the piano, we would do this all the time. I'll never get it. Never, never, never. Bang. It was, it was beautiful. And sometimes in the process of becoming, we can become a little bit like Don Music. We can say, I'll never get it. Never, never, never. We bang our heads on things. But I want you to know, I, I'm convinced God wants to do something in us and through us to help us become all that he has created us to be. And, and, and I think part of the, this journey of becoming is recognizing that becoming is a process and not an event. That, that, that becoming is, is, is actually, you know, some, some, there's some strategic and there's some intentional things that you and I can do in order that we might move from this level to this level that we might become more of what God has called us to be and do. And, and so part of it is to discover a helpful process. And so I just want to introduce kind of a process that I think is helpful in learning how do you become. And this is the whole thing, a process of becoming. Because I'm convinced that you want a better life. I'm convinced you want to be better spouses. You want to be better parents. You want to be better uh, you know, contributors to society. You, you want to just be better you, you want to you live a life that, that, that is within you and, and you feel calling out to you. And part of it is developing a process. And, and so my process is five steps. And then we have a little graphic that we'll throw up on the screen uh, to, to do this, hopefully. Maybe it's there, maybe it's not. Ah, there it is. Look at this. Isn't this beautiful? 
Just so you know, your pastor can draw circles. This is a gift, the gift that I have, but it's a process. And, and I want to note five steps in the process to becoming. The first thing you have to do is you have to clarify focus. That if you're going to become, you have to clarify focus. Not only that, you need to discover new ideas. you got to discover new ideas. Not only that, you have to establish disciplines. Okay, so this is the process of becoming. Now, the moment I hit establish disciplines, you're like, oh, let's get off this wheel. Right? But, but it's part of it. And then not only that, you have to normalize habits. You actually have to not only identify and establish a discipline, but you've got to keep them going through time and then evaluate progress. Am I making progress? And once you do that, it gets you right back to the beginning where you begin to clarify the focus. You go through the cycle again and again. And see, becoming is a process. It's not an event. It's something that is ongoing. And part of it is if we can begin to identify and begin to live out a process in our life, for, uh, live out a process of becoming in our lives, it's going to help us become what God is calling us to be and do. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to reflect on this whole idea of, uh, of, of becoming, this process of becoming. And um, today we're, we're going to begin looking more or less at the, the first part, which is clarifying focus. And, and I just simply entitled my message this morning, uh, Choosing Something Greater. So when I was in youth group, uh, like that was like a long time ago. Youth group used to not be that long, time, that long ago, but now it's more than a life. I mean, half a lifetime ago. I was going to say, more than a lifetime ago, I was a youth. That's what it feels like. But we would do this one event with our church, which was kind of crazy. They would break us up into groups, and every group was given a paperclip. And this was what you had to do. You had to leave the church building, and you had to go around the community and knock on doors, and you would start with a paperclip, and you'd say, hey, I have a paperclip, and... Um, would you trade with me something that's bigger and better than a paperclip? And then, you know, maybe they give you a pen. And then you take the pen and you go to the next house. And then whatever they give you, you go to the next house. And we would go through the community. And so here's all these crazy teenagers going through asking, hey, can I get something bigger than better? And everybody started with a paperclip. And then you get to the end of the night where everybody comes together and you bring in the biggest and the, uh, the best thing that you could trade for, for beginning with a paperclip. And it was great because we'd get back and we would be unloading furniture. I remember like, we got a couch. It's like, and how many know it doesn't matter if it's a good couch. How many know a couch is better than a paperclip? It's bigger and better, right? And we'd have appliances and TVs. And it was, it was always fun as you'd go through this. And we start with a paperclip and look what we've become, right? And I'm convinced that what God wants to do is he wants to release a goodness in our life that calls us again and again to something greater, something bigger and better than just where we're at. And, um, and the big idea I want to kind of think around for a few moments is this, is that intentional growth often requires letting go of something good for something better. That intentional growth requires letting go of something good for something better. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 14 through 18, and, and I don't know about you, but I love the stories of Jesus, and, and every gospel writer tells the story in kind of their unique way, 
uh, Mark's account, he's sharing the good news of Jesus. And, and part of what I love about his book is it is a book with pace and with action. Like Mark doesn't dawdle. He like gets into business and he's just like, it, it's a book on the move. And so it's kind of fun. So you get in and it's like the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's like John the Baptist. Jesus is baptized. Let's go on to the next thing and the next. And so it's a book with pace. And in the midst of all of that pacing, there's this continual call to make decisions. It's a call to action. And so as we look at this passage this morning, I want to note uh, three important ideas in, in this idea of choosing something greater. And, and this is, this, this, it begins simply with this, that the coming of Jesus makes transformation possible. I want you to hear this because this is so important. The coming of Jesus makes transformation possible. Verse 14 says this, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. All right, say proclaiming the good news. Okay, listen, God has good news for us to hear. So he's proclaiming the good news of God. And I want you to hear what the good news of God is this. You ready for the good news? I'm ready for the good news. All right, here it is. Here's the good news. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Okay, this is the good news. You got to hear this. This is amazing. The time has come. You see, Jesus was lived in a time where there was this great expectation and waiting for God to step into history to do something, to begin to make things right, to make things better. And Jesus says this, listen, I want you to understand that with my coming, that time has come. Like, you don't have to wait, you know, you know till, till later, listen... I have come, and because I have come, change is going to happen. I'm going to begin to make things better. That, that thing which you are hoping for, I'm going to begin to make known in your time. The time has come. But not only that, but he goes on to say, the kingdom of God has come near. Some of the old translations will say it like this, the kingdom of God is at hand. Okay, how many know as parents with, with like there are some things with your kids, you got to keep out of reach from the kids because it's for their safety or because you care about chocolate more than you ought, right? Or ice cream. You know what I mean? You take stuff and you put it up on the high shelf. You do that so the kids can't get it. See, Jesus says this, listen, the time has come, and the kingdom of God is near. It is not out of reach. It is right here. You can reach out, and you can grab it, and it's going to change everything. It is near. You see, the coming of Jesus enables a whole new set of possibilities. It's not something we have to keep waiting for. It's not something that's too far away from us. It's like Jesus saying, listen, the time has come and the kingdom of God is near. You can just reach out and grab it and it'll begin to change everything. And so he goes on to say, repent and believe the good news. And the idea of repentance is really a call to change. 
It's a call to new direction. It's a call that says, you know what? It's time to embark on something that's going to bring about a transformation of who you are. And all of this is rooted in the good news. That God loves us. And that He has come to rescue and restore our lives through Jesus. You see, it's the coming of Jesus that makes transformation possible. I think this is so amazing because you know what that means? It means that my life does not have to be defined by my history, my hurts, or my habits. Like my life, like I know lots of people, they keep living and, and, and there are things that has happened in their past. There, there, there are hurts that they've experienced. That there are habits they have and they say, you know what? Change can't happen to me. Because you don't know my past. You, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the hurt that I've had. You don't know the habits I have. And I'm just like, listen, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. And because of it, transformation is possible for anyone and everyone because of God. How many are grateful that, you know what? We can actually become better because of the grace of Jesus Christ throughout this year. It doesn't matter, again, about our history, our hurts, and our habits. You see, what Jesus did on the cross, His death, His resurrection, the sending of His Holy Spirit, releases a potential into your life and mine. And this is why I say the coming of Jesus makes transformation possible. You don't have to be the same. Not only that, the invitation of Jesus leads us to something greater. So Jesus, Mark shares the essence of, his, of the message of Jesus, which is the time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. And then he begins to show how it begins to manifest in individual lives. That, that, that this, this, this coming of the gospel of Jesus isn't just this nebulous thing that, that hovers over people. It's about changing individuals, people with names, names like you and me. People that are imperfect, have some history, a little messed up, maybe a little dysfunctional. And through the pages of the gospel, we get to watch the transformation take place. You see, it's the invitation of Jesus that leads to something greater. And so in verse 16, it says this, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon... And his brother Andrew, and just so you know, Simon here is who we later get to understand or we know as Peter. You've heard about the Apostle Peter. And, and just so you know, many think that the writer of Mark's Gospel, Mark, um, he is actually recording the account of Jesus' life really from Peter's perspective because Mark hung out with Peter. And, and so he's writing down, like, listen, like, and, and so there's this great thing where you get to watch the transformation of Simon to become Peter, to become one who begins to, to, to help usher in this, all this amazing transformation stuff. But did you hear the invitation? Jesus shows up along the Sea of Galilee, and he sees Simon and Andrew and says, guys, just come follow me. Follow me. It's such an amazing story because it's a story of interruption. 
It's the interruption of the lives of fishermen. It's just some guys thought they were going about their usual day, and Jesus interrupted their lives. Aren't you grateful that we serve a Savior that loves to interrupt our lives for good? He interrupts. Like he steps in, like I like it. he was beside the Sea of Galilee. He's just he's just out there, and and you know it doesn't matter whether you're in Dryden, Lansing, if you're in Freeville, Etna, wherever you might be, that Jesus has a way of coming by and interrupting lives and and saying, hey, follow me, follow me, and this idea of following is really about saying, hey, I want you to begin to pattern your life after me. I I want you to to, to see things the way I see. I want you to understand things as I understand them. I I want you to take my my commands and my purposes, and I want you to begin to live them out. You see, to follow is to pattern one's life after the example and teaching, specifically here of Jesus. Ultimately, the idea is this. It's about taking Jesus and putting him at the center of our lives. Now, how many know that sometimes we can compartmentalize a lot of things? Like, we got, our, we got our Jesus. Like, Jesus is a part of our life, and he's just over here as a part of our life. Maybe we'll use Sundays, you know, because that's some Jesus time, or maybe, you know, devotions in the morning or, or prayer at meals. We've got, we got a little box where we keep Jesus in. And then we got other boxes. We got boxes like, okay, here's my finances. We've got a financial box. We've got a relational box. Like, this is how I do relationships. This is how I make decisions. We have all these boxes. And what we do sometimes in our lives is we have Jesus in this box, and and, and we're aware of him. We're grateful that he's a part of our lives, but we have all these other boxes. But what Jesus is saying, listen, follow me. He's saying, what I want is I want me to be the center of every box of your life. That means that Jesus, he says, follow me as you do relationships. Follow me as you do finances. Follow me as as you do work and purpose and vocation. Whatever the domain of your life, Jesus says, I want you to follow me. You see, Jesus' invitation is not for just a part of our life. He wants the whole of our life. He wants to be the center of our life. And the reason he wants to be centered is because he knows this. When you put Jesus at the center of your life, it leads you to things that are greater than you know. It was Jesus who said, I will make you fishers of men. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you. I want you to see that the invitation to follow is really an invitation to become. It's an invitation to become something better. And what I find interesting about this story is the invitation to become isn't just from something, it's not always from something that is bad. Sometimes it's even from some things that seem good in order that we might experience something better. Now, how many know that fishing is not a bad thing? How many love to fish? It's a beautiful to sit out on a boat and, like, you know, get worms wet, get something pulling on the line. Ah, I love it. Fishing is a beautiful and good thing. Jesus isn't saying, I want you to follow me because fishing is bad. He says, I want you to follow me because I want to lead you to something that is better. You think fishing 
for fish is exciting. I want you to fish for people. I, I, I want to I help bring a transformation in your life that will give you a value and purpose that is greater than even the thing that you are considering good right now in your life. What God wants to do is He wants to lead us to something that is better. And the truth is, is sometimes we can kind of get stuck on good. How many know that we have some good lives around here? We've got good homes, moderately good cars or vehicles. We've got some good stuff. We've got some good relationships, got some good habits, got, got some good disciplines. You know, I, I, got to, I got some good stuff, and you know what? I'm fine with it. And, and so I always find this interesting, you know, especially at New Year's, right? Because it's a season for some about resolutions. And the idea of a resolution is what can I do to better me, right? That's generally the purpose of a resolution. How many know most people aren't making resolutions to make themselves worse? That just seems to be easy to do, right? Um, but there's a whole segment of the population that says, you know what, yeah, it's not even worth trying. Like I, 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 and some people just say, become, I'm just fine with where I'm at. I'm fine with good. Like life's good. Why? I don't really need to change anything. Could you imagine Peter and Andrew? Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And like, oh, hey, that's a, that sounds like an interesting proposition. But you know what? I'm fine. Fishing's good. I'll just stay here. And I think sometimes in our lives, what we do is we say, you know what? Everything's good. Let's just stay here. And in so doing, we, mess out, we miss out on the better and greater that Jesus has for us. It was the disciples, it was Peter and Andrew, James and John, and the verses that follow, that they say, you know what, this stuff may be good, but we're willing to leave stuff that we consider good in order that we might experience something greater, that we might experience something better. And I'm convinced that, that this idea of growing and becoming challenges us to say, you know what, I may have understood or I may live at this level and you know what, there's good here, but there's still something greater God is calling me to and so I am going to leave some of that that I might hit, experience something greater and better. You see, the invitation of Jesus leads to something greater. The last thing I would note is that our decisive response to Jesus is essential. Verse 18 simply says, that as Jesus had asked them to come follow me and I will make you fishers of men, it says, verse 18, at once they left their nets and followed. At once. The thing that I find interesting about invitations is invitations demand decisions. How many have gotten that RSVP in the mail? Reply by such and such a date. It's an invitation. I want to invite you to a wedding. I want to invite you to this party. Hey, let me know if you're coming. RSVP, right? And, 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 and generally, there's a date with it. You see, invitations demand decisions. And sometimes we're like, yeah, I'd like to be a part of that. No. And sometimes we're just like, going, well, let's just wait and see what happens. Have you ever had an RSVP where you just missed the deadline and that became your decision? Because sometimes what we do is we just in, are not deciding. It ends up making a decision for us. But every invitation demands a decision. What will we do 
You see, Jesus says, follow me. And in following him, the, the question is, is how will we respond? And, and I love that, that Mark notes the immediacy of their action. They did it at once. They recognized it was time to act. It was time to move. And I'm convinced for you and for me, as we go through our days, Jesus, through his word and his spirit, continues to invite us to follow him in order that we might experience something greater. And the question is, is how will we respond? Now, there are times where the invitation goes out, where Jesus says, follow me, do, put me at the center, put me at the core of this, and, and let me begin to influence, in, you know, whether it's relationships, finances, purpose, direction, all those fun things. And, and sometimes there can be this sense that, Jesus, that, the, that the invitation of Jesus is about restricting our potential. Like, I remember growing up and thinking, you know what, if you follow Jesus, you are signing up for a miserable life. Like, one way that we learned to discern the will of God was, does it make you miserable? Then yes, it must be Jesus' will, right? Like, there was a sense. But I want you to know the invitation of Jesus, though at times it may be discomforting, create dissonance, his invitation is never about restricting our potential. It's actually about releasing it. And we will never live the purpose that God has for our lives until we say yes to the invitation to follow Jesus. And we have to do this. And, and I think that as, as followers of Jesus, there's the big yes and then there's the daily yes. The big yes is that, you know what, we actually have to make the decision, I am choosing to follow Jesus with my life. Best decision I made. At 17 years old, I made the decision, I'm going to follow Jesus with my life. And and I want you to know, I experienced far better than I deserve. I know many people here, you have that same testimony. You made that decision to follow Jesus, and you're like going, you know what, I, I'm experiencing life better than I deserve. And if you've never made that decision, that's where we begin for transformation. It begins with Jesus. It's about saying, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to put you at the center. But it's not enough just to make that one-time decision. It's about making it a daily decision. It was Jesus who said, whoever would follow me, they must take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to follow me, that there's this dailiness about it. How many know that, that marriage, you know, that, that a wedding may initiate a relationship, but it's not sufficient to provide life, strength, and health for a relationship. I mean, no, marriage is daily work. Okay, all my husbands are smart. They're holding their hand down. It ain't no daily work, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's ongoing work. And, and the same is with, with Jesus. Choosing to follow him, there's a yes that we have to say every day. And so, and so we see that, that, that because of Jesus, transformation is possible. There's an invitation to something greater. But the question is, is how, we, how will we respond? And this is this whole process of saying, okay, I am choosing, Lord, to, to step into your purpose. I, I, I'm willing to engage the process of transformation. And I think this begins by clarifying our focus. So as we go through the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this idea of becoming. And the place to begin is we see that, listen, God wants to do it. 
he invites us. The question is, are we going to do it? And if we say yes, I think, again, there's the big decision, but then there's some daily decisions we have to focus on. Now, sometimes, like Dawn Music, we get a little overwhelmed by how much change needs to take place in us. Because we think, I've got to fix this, 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 this. And we can be overwhelmed by all the different areas of change. And one of the, one of the strategies of the enemy, like one of the ways that, that the enemy keeps us from living the purpose of God is, I'm convinced, he, he seeks to overwhelm our senses in order to keep us from focusing. To overwhelm our senses. And many times, I'm convinced people are defeated because of distraction. So, I, I remember hearing a story about lion tamers. And, and so the lion tamer, if you, you've seen the pictures, he holds a chair and a whip, right? And, 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 and how, do you re, how do you render the king of the beast so it looks like you, you can manage and control him? And some people think it's the whip. If, if you just whip the thing enough, it'll, it'll be smart enough, right? Now, the whip has a place, but actually, do you know what, you know what keeps the lion from overcoming the lion tamer? It's that when he holds the chair, what does he point toward? The lion, the feet of the chair. And because of it, there's four feet to the chair, and the problem is, is the lion doesn't know what to focus on. And because the lion doesn't know what to focus on, it's not actually able to use its power to overcome, and it becomes overcome itself. And this is, I think, what happens so often in our lives, because there's a need for transformation, for becoming. And we're like, I got so many areas, and, and there's so many voices and so many different things, that all of a sudden, it's hard to figure out, well, what am I supposed to focus on? You see, if we are going to become what God's called us to be, we have to be intentional about narrowing our focus. Let me ask you this question. This is a question I want you to wrestle with, I want you to think about, I want you to work to provide an answer to. In this season of your life, what is the key area you need to grow in? I want you to think about this. In this season of your life, how many recognize you're in a season of life? In this season of life, some of you, your season is new parenting. Some of your season is you're parenting like teenagers. How many know that's a precious season? Some of you have adult children. Some of you have grandbabies. That's a season. Some of you are in a season of education. Some of you are in a season of, of you know, dissonance. But in this season that you're in, what is the most essential thing you need to grow in. See, I think part of the reason why we need to spend time in God's presence and in His Word with His Spirit is because He helps to provide focus for our lives. And, and, and I know that, again, there's so many areas that need to change, but, but let me tell you why the focus on one is so important. And, and it's because of this. We're actually integrated beings. Okay? One area of our life begins to impact other areas of our life. So, for example, when you're hungry, really, really hungry, how many know that's a physical thing? But how many know it can be an emotional thing, too? Because all of a sudden, you start getting irritable. How many of you, I won't ask who gets irritable when they're hungry. 
But not only does it become, do you become irritable, not only does it affect your emotions, but it can begin to affect your relations, right? Because how many know that you're hungry, and now I'm irritable, and now my kids are bugging me just by breathing. Stop breathing. Stop it. Maybe you become short with your spouse. And all of a sudden, it begins to affect your relational. And how many know it can begin to affect your financial? How many know you don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry? Because how many know that's like the worst time to do it? Like, I think I want this, 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 this. And you get to the checkout, and you're like, 200 bucks. And you're like, yes, inflation, but oh my goodness, I must be shopping hungry, or whatever it is, right? Because your physical appetite doesn't stay in just one domain. It affects everything. Does this make sense? And, and again, th this is why when you begin to focus on one thing, it doesn't just affect one thing. It affects many things. But if you're so overwhelmed that you never focus on one thing, you won't find transformation in many things. So what we have to do is we have to figure out what's the area we need to grow in in this season. In this season, what, what, is, what is one essential thing you're like, I need to work on this. Maybe it's like being patient. Maybe it's communication with your spouse. Maybe it's, you know, developing some disciplines in your life. Maybe, maybe you're spending too much time on the Internet. Maybe you're watching too much TV. Maybe, you know, there, there's all these things. You're like, going, you know, boy, if I could just begin to change this. What's the one thing? You see, we have to define our focus. But not only that, we have to describe its potential impact. You see, if you began to change that area of your life, what else would begin to change? What else would begin to change? And you'll begin to find out that, that uh, again, when you focus on one thing and, and you say, okay, it, it has the ability to affect my relationship with my spouse, my kids, my, the way I'm doing work, it can begin to change all sorts of things. What can it look like? And the reason that is important is because you and I, we need some hope. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed by where we're at, we just think this is what it's always going to be. But listen, God has come in order that we might have hope. To recognize that God is working in our lives. And some of the questions to think about in regards to the potential impact of focusing in this area is what would I gain if I grew in this area? Who would be impacted by this? How would these areas of my life be changed? And again, because growth in one area impacts multiple areas. But it's not enough to define and describe a focus. We have to decide to follow Jesus for transformation in that area of focus. It's about saying yes to Jesus, being willing to follow. And part of the saying yes is to say, okay, so I'm going to define it. And part of that definition thing, I would challenge you to do something. Write it down. Okay. How many of you forget things? You know, how many have lost keys, right? How many have lost kids, right? Don't feel bad. Mary and Joseph lost Jesus one time too. It happened, right? We, we forget things. Like, I love it because my kids will come up, Dad, do you remember when you did this? 
and sometimes it'll be like hero moments and other times it'll be zero moments, right? Like there's, there's like, Dad, do you remember when you said this? This was so awesome and amazing. Or when you did this. And, and I'm like going, yeah, no. I have no recollection. But it sounds amazing. I will accept it. That, is, that was me. And there's other times you're like going, Dad, do you remember when you did this? And it was like, oh. And I'm like, no, that wasn't me. That must have been your mother. Um, you're just confused. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. But we don't remember things well. You're making some decisions. You, you may make a decision today that you're not going to remember tomorrow. Write it down. Part of this defining, where's my area of focus is you write that sucker down, put it on like a post-it note, stick it on your fridge, your mirror, your steering wheel, whatever it is, because you know what? You need to remember where your focus is because there's so, again, the enemy will seek to distract you from that focus in order that you might not be changed. So you have to write it down. But then part of it is just saying yes to Jesus by saying, you know what, God, I'm going to commit this in prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm going to do this. God, I recognize I need to become a more patient person. Lord, I'm going to work on patience. Lord, in, in, in this season, I recognize I need to be more disciplined with my finances. God, would you help me be more disciplined in my finances? I, I, re I remember when our family went through FPU. It was amazing. We focused on changing our finances, and it strengthened our marriage. It was the craziest thing. Because one area begins to affect other areas of your life. And part of it is just saying, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to commit to this. I'm, I'm going to be focused on this. Not, not just for a service or for a moment, but, but this is going to be my focus in order that I might grow. But more than just saying yes, even in prayer, I think we have to share our focus with other people. I think we have to let other people know what our focus is. So the other night, it was great because Rachel and I, we sat down. So we do this. This is part of our, our stuff. You get to figure out yours. This is how we do our stuff. Is as we approach a new year, we're like, okay, so what are some of the goals? What are some of the things that we're working on in our lives? And we have this great discussion. And we talk about what's going to go on. And so it begins to hold one another accountable. Because transformation flourishes in community and through relationship. Jesus never called you to do transformation alone. When he called Peter and Andrew to follow him in order that his life might be changed, he didn't even just pick those two. He said, hey, let's bring in a few more. Let's get James and John in here. Let's get Thomas. Let, let's get Bartholomew. Let, let's get a few more of these guys. And let, let, let's, let's walk through this together. And so they walked through it together. And because all of them said, you know what, this is what our focus is going to be. It began to change them, and it changed our world. You see, as we begin a new year, my prayer and my desire for you is that you might become everything that God's called you to be. Like My prayer for you is that when we get to this point next year, you're going to look back and go, oh my goodness, Look how God has changed me and how it's changed my world. My prayer is that we wouldn't waste a year. How many of you ever heard of people talking about their wasted years? Like not to waste a year. Like this, this is like now is the time. The kingdom of heaven 
is at hand. Repent and believe. And I believe that the time is now, and, and part of it is just, again, my heart is, God, would you help us become? And, and this is why over the next few weeks, as, as a church, we're going to talk about how do we do this? And, and again, it's going to begin with choosing the focus. In this season of your life, what is going to be your focus to grow? What is going to be your focus? Because if you can't define it, you can't develop it. What's going to be your focus? Remember, the coming of Jesus makes transformation possible. It's the invitation of Jesus that leads to something greater. And our, our decisive response, therefore, is essential. So again, in this season of your life, what is the key area that you need to grow in? Some of you, you are already beginning to get some parameters to that. Some of you, you're just like going, I'm not quite sure yet. But I would just challenge you this week, this week, define a focus. This week. Don't wait. Make it a matter of prayer. Make it a matter of reflection. What is the one area in your life you're like going, you know what, this is what I'm going to work on. I recognize there's a lot to work on, at least in me. But this is the one thing I'm going to work on. I'm going to be intentional about this. And write it down. Write that sucker down. Commit it to prayer. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Take time to share it with someone else. Because God wants us to become, to experience something greater. May we commit ourselves to his process of transformation. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love us. I thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your presence, but even more than that, to be your children. And Lord, I thank you that you are calling us to follow you. And God, even at the beginning of a new year, we recognize that, Lord, even though it may be a new year, we are in a season. And God, I thank you that your invitation is that we might grow in this season. Lord, that the time is now. We, we, don't, we don't have to, to wait till tomorrow. But God, we can begin to experience your grace now. Lord, I thank you that you are calling each of us to something higher and greater. Higher and greater than our own wants, our own wishes, our own aspiration. God, you want to release favor and grace into our lives that transforms everything the way we think, the way we work, the way we love. Lord, I am so amazed that, God, you continue to want to pour out life upon your people. And so, God, we receive grace even now. 
Lord, would you just help us clarify a focus? To write it down, to commit it in prayer, to share it with another. That we might honor you. And just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, you know, I, I mentioned that there are two types of, uh, you know, decisions. There, there's or saying yes to Jesus. There's the big one. The, the big one is, is, you know what, transformation comes as we put our faith and hope in Christ Jesus. And, and, and if you have never done that, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, transform your life, and you're saying, you know what, I, I want today to be a day of beginning for me. If that's you, would you, you raise your hand because I want to pray with you. I see those hands. Thank you. And that one, thank you. Maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, you know what, I see, I, I mean, there's a sense of clarity that I have about that one area in this season where I need to grow. And I'm willing to do it. If that's you, would you raise your hand? If you're saying, you know, I got some clarity about what I need to grow and I see those hands. Oh, this is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. How many would yet say, you know, I, I know there's room for growth, but I'm not quite sure what the focus needs to be yet. But, but God, would you speak to me? If that's you, would you raise your hand? Lord Jesus, you see every hand, you, you see every need. And God, I thank you that you want to pour favor upon your people. Lord, you want to pour grace. Lord, you want to release healing and restoration and life. And Lord, as people say yes to you in the big and in the small. Lord, for, for first-time decisions and daily decisions, God, I pray grace would meet and bring about transformation. Lord, I thank you that you are calling us to be the people you've called us to be, to, to live the life that we were created for. And God, we choose this day to follow you. Lord, I pray for those who are still, who are seeking clarity. Father, I pray that as they go through this week, Lord, that your spirit will continue to whisper to them and direct and lead them. God, I thank you for your faithfulness and love. We choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.